Hey, welcome to the Gooder Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Diana Freik. As partner and CMO of Retail Voodoo, an award-winning branding agency, I have met and worked with some of the most amazing women in the naturals industry, food, beverage, wellness, and fitness. As such, I decided to create the Gooder Podcast to interview these great people and subject matter experts and have them share their insights, expertise, and passions to help businesses around the world become gooder. So today we get to talk about reducing single use plastics and seizing opportunities. And I'm super excited to tackle these topics, especially if I could get a word out correctly because I'm tripping all over myself. Um, With my guest, Kate Flynn, who is CEO and founder of Sun and Swell Foods, whose mission is to make healthy and sustainable eat accessible with their collection of sustainably packaged organic plant-based pantry staples and snacks. Sun and Swell is a very exciting, the first food company in the U.S. to offer a wide array of healthy foods in compostable plastic-free packaging. Welcome, Miss Kate. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Uh, are you in Santa Barbara today? I am, yes. Okay, and weather is good, or I've heard that it's um, California's doing a little bit of topsy turvy in the last. Yeah, couple of weeks. you know, it's uh, unusually. I don't want to say cold because it's not cold <laughs> from, but for us here in Santa Barbara, it's a little chilly than we uh, than we're used to for this time of year. But I can't complain. I grew up in Ohio, so oh. um, I I know what those uh, brutal winters can be like. So we we it's still not too bad. Yeah. And springs, because I am pretty sure Ohio got a fair bit of snow this week. Am I right? Yeah, I think I just, I know that Massachusetts had snow. I saw someone's picture from like a couple days ago. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll like, take, I'll take our 65 degree weather. It's oh okay. my gosh. <laughs> I was talking with somebody from Denver hmm, two days ago, and they had, I think, seven inches of snow. And then they said, and in three days, it's supposed to be 75. And I'm like, ah, welcome to spring, right? That's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I am so, I, I didn't even know this when we booked this, and maybe it was kismet, but when we scheduled the recording for today, today is Earth Day. I mean, people aren't going to hear this on Earth Day, but we're recording this on Earth Day. So how appropriate um, that the stars aligned for that recording to happen today. And then I also want to throw in that you're a B Corp. So we're kind of sisters. I'm going to call it this where we're sisters, right? (laughs) So what a um, great day for us to be able to connect. And I'm sure you're quite busy. So thank you so much for your time. Of course, and, and actually, fun fact: Earth Day was started here in Santa Barbara. So, oh, really? Um, I feel it was, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I, I learned this a couple of years ago, but um, yeah, no, I, I saw it when I realized that we had accident, accidentally booked this on Earth Day. I was like, wow, it couldn't be a more fitting day for us to not... chat about getting rid of single-use plastic. <laughs> I know, and a little bit about how you got there because I think there's a lot of people who are on fire about it, but I think how you came through it and how you got to this idea is really um and the and then the subsequent leadership that you're bringing at a national level is really going to be exciting to talk about but before we go down all of those rabbit holes why don't you tell us a little bit um and sun and swell foods as it exists today what you know why does it exist and and what it's all about yeah so um where we are today our goal is to really help eliminate single-use plastic from the grocery industry and to help people live healthier lives. Um, So we're 
an online plastic-free health food store. And really, we just want to make it easy for people to make healthy and sustainable choices. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it, it's, we don't want people to have to go out of their, out of their way to make those trade-offs. We want to make uh-huh. it simple. Um, so we view that as our role. And also just, you know, we, we're proud to be a pioneer in this space and kind of pushing the boundaries when it mm-hmm. comes to using sustainable packaging and whatnot. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I think as a young emerging, we have the permission and ability to do that in a way mm-hmm. that more mature companies just, just aren't able to do for um, totally understandable reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the pioneering component can normalize it and then it just becomes something that they can do. Um, it's yeah. always fun when I can see, and I've I've interviewed people from really large multinational organizations to we ones where there's literally a single founder owner. And um, what I find to be most interesting is the little guys always think the big guys have got it together, but the big guys are kind of going, we're so big that there are things that the little guys can do better than us. And they're learning from you all. So I love that it's symbiotic. And I think if we can just kind of talk about the fact that there is a symbiotic um, learning relationships between, you know, your strengths are always your weaknesses. And so if we all work together at some point, we can we can be taking care of things across the board rather than pit, pitting ourselves against each other. So I love totally what you're doing. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So let's um let's start with this journey, right? So before you were with Sun, before you were with, before you created Sun and Swell, you were in management consulting, and I believe there was some CPG food and beverage in there. But I'll let you talk about that a little bit more. And what was that transition, or what were those things that took you from? Um, taking the experience that you had and trying something new, what did you take and what did you want to learn and what did you want to do differently? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So prior to launching Set and Swell, I was working for a firm. Um, the The firm's name is Kurt Salmon. It's since been acquired by Accenture, but our uh-huh. firm's focus was on retail and consumer products. And the mm-hmm. specific group I was in was looking at um, was helping uh, both private equity firms uh, when they were looking to acquire CPG companies, so kind okay. of on this, the uh, diligence side of things, but also working on strategy with um, big retailers and consumer mm-hmm. products companies with their like executive teams and whatnot. So I had, I knew I was deeply passionate about the world of consumer, you know, CPG. Like I knew that that world was where I was really excited about. Um, I did consulting for about four years. I loved it. I learned a lot, but kind of had that like classic, uh, you know, classic moment where I was like, this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my mm. life. I want something yeah. where I'm, you know, feeling a little bit more fulfilled, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what it meant. I left my job um, at the same time, moved to Santa Barbara with my husband, and we just um, wanted to see kind of where the world took us. Mm-hmm. Um, I also knew I had a passion for health and wellness, and um, I kind of experimented with a few different things. Um, I was looking into becoming a health coach. I was teaching yeah. fitness classes, yeah. and I started Sun and Swell. And um, Sun and Swell started to take off, um, and I kind of found it to be the perfect mix of being able to use all my skills um, that I learned from consulting and all my prior, you know, everything that I've learned in my career thus far, but also using a single product um, and our business to really try to help change the world in a meaningful way. When we started, we were really focused on solving um, the problems around health. So yeah. that the whole idea of us playing in the world of plastic free, honestly, that wasn't on my mind when we started the company. 
when we started the company, I had just gone through a personal uh, journey with my health where oh. I found the value of eating whole real foods um, mm -hmm. and how impactful that was to my life. Mm -hmm. I found it hard to find whole real food snacks in stores. So that was kind of what we, when we launched, we were trying to make whole real food snacks more accessible to people. Um, mm -hmm. But quickly into my journey, I realized, okay, I'm solving this problem of health, but we're creating another problem, which is single use plastics. Yeah. And it was this weird kind of um, just, it, it just wasn't sitting well with me. Like I was mm -hmm. so proud about, I was so proud about one thing we were doing, but then also I was like, almost like ashamed of this other part of our business. Yeah, but, um, I get it. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, although we started trying to solve the health problem, we started to transition um, pretty early on into trying to think about both health and of, of people, but also health of our plant. Yes. And kind of found our, our niche in our, um, and it, that in this world of um, solving the single use plastic problem along the way. Mm -hmm. It's such a, right. It's such a challenge we work with so many brands and single use is of course that's where the money is right mm -hmm. i mean you can make the, the value packs yes they come into play uh, especially when you know when pandemic came around those value size you know family size mega size single packs became really easy to sell because we were centralized um in our in our world but now with coming out of pandemic i think single use is going to take off again or continue to take off. I don't know yeah. how to talk about that because people are going to have to relearn how to um, not have their world be 360 in their home. And okay. what do we do? It would go for convenience. We can have all the glass containers and the reusable containers in our house, but if we're not set up and prepped for that, we're just going to grab um, something that's a multi multi-pack and go. And now we've got totally. expanded waste. So I can understand that and and meeting the needs of the consumer and meeting the needs of the environment sometimes is tricky. So it I is. can appreciate yeah. that. It definitely is. Yeah. So now Sun and Swell started out as a tr traditional CPG brand, right? I mean, basically selling products yeah. through wholesale channels. And, and now you're wanting to make a bigger impact, turning it from simply i mean you're already like you're making some big movements and impacts on the planet but turning it cpg um that's a dtc ecom type of thing where you're relying other people to um, a much bigger more retail concept is that right do i do i have that right yeah yeah so basically when we started a couple of years ago um you know as i as i just mentioned we were trying to solve like we we're trying to make grab and go snacking, real food snacking more accessible. Yeah. So our, yeah. our product line was a line of grab and go snacks. Um, mm -hmm. And we were selling them through, uh, we were actually focused more on our the alternative channels like uh, corporate right. offices and coffee shops and stuff sure. like that, but also, um, also some grocery and stuff. But the ultimate, mm -hmm. you know, vision for that brand was to be like, um, uh, you know, uh, like we aspire to be somebody like Cliff Bar, like a household bar, you know, yep. a household snack food brand is kind of what the vision was for for the brand. Mm -hmm. um, the reason we kind of pivoted away from that is because when we started to make that transition to plastic free packaging, compostable packaging, mm -hmm. um, our first when we first started to make that transition, the goal was, hey, let's just convert these snacks over to compostable packaging. Like, let's just do yeah. that. Okay. We did it really quickly um, and we just made the switch. We started pushing it through all of our wholesale partners and we quickly realized that 
compostable technology where it is today, um, or at least where, you know, it's, and it's evolving more. So it could look very different in the future, but um, right. when we were trying to roll it out, we're like the, it's not ready to go sit on, it's not ready to go through distribution channels and go right. sit on a shelf. Like, and that there's several different reasons why, um, but we, we kind of realized we either need to pick a lane. Like we either need to right. stay right. a traditional CPG brand, mm -hmm. keep selling through all these traditional wholesale channels and go back to plastic because mm -hmm. compostable packaging is not ready for it or commit to this plastic free side of things yeah. and we need to evolve our business model to accommodate that and that's where we decided okay really it's it's really set up for direct to consumer not really yeah. wholesale so we kind of made that transition to direct to consumer but then we also mm -hmm. thought like our customers are constantly asking us like how can i buy it's great that your snacks are in compostable but like can i buy more things in compostable packaging like they right. want more it's, they're not just looking for one snack they're looking for everything right. and so we said the past year building out our product assortment to not just include our single line of snacks but to mm -hmm. now include um all, all shelf stable but things that yeah. you could use to stock your pantry so nuts and yeah. seeds and superfoods and flowers always all super healthy um yeah. But really now our, our vision has evolved, um, you know, instead of becoming like this, you know, looking towards someone like uh, Cliff Bar that we're trying to aspire to, our vision has evolved to be more um, of like, can we be like the next Trader Joe's, but an online uh -huh. model, a plastic free model. Uh -huh. um, so that's kind of where we shifted over the past year. Mm -hmm. And it allows now us I, to serve our customers in a better way. That's, I, I love that. And then the other thing that you mentioned when we were preparing for this was this concept of, you wanted to have a whole whole foods kind of standard of product ingredients or uh, uh, um, and products in general, but you wanted pricing to be more in line with Thrive, and that conversation came around about through our uh, uh, through this conversation of accessibility, affordability for a more mainstream consumer, and I I, I love that. And where are you in that process? Yeah. So. Um... This especially has become really important to us as we are thinking about like we're trying to we're trying to make a big dent in the market and eliminating single use plastic. Mm -hmm. And that's great if we can help, you know, the whole foods shopper make that switch or, the, you know, right. the customer who would typically um, the, the spend their money at Whole Foods or something like that. But right. what about the people who aren't shopping at Whole Foods? What about the person who's shopping at, you know, primarily Trader Joe's? Like what right. if they want to make a switch? Right. But um, if our price points are too high for them, we're basically like we're we're not making it easier for them because they either they right. have to make a trade off. They have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they might be buying um, higher quality food, but maybe that they don't have. That's not how they were intending to spend their money, you know, so. Right. Um, we have thought of a lot about like how can we don't want to be exclusive with mm -hmm. this. And I think that happens a lot in the world of sustainability. Like it's yeah. like all this is I mean, like electric cars like all these things are like you can afford if you're have right. more income and so it's like right. how do we we definitely want to remain a health food company because right. that's like i i also don't want to hurt people's health like so i want to like right. we want to make sure we're selling health foods right but the main the main thought that we've been having recently is do we expand from offering 100% organic foods, which is what we currently do? Uh -huh. Do we expand that offering to include at least some conventional items and maybe not for everything, but um, for like our grains and our nuts and those staple products that we know um, people are buying and people always right. aren't always looking for organic with those products. Um, mm -hmm. The same way that when you shop at Whole Foods or any health food store, they have both right. organic and non-organic offerings. Mm -hmm. Like, is that a way for us to like, A, make it more accessible, 
But yeah. then the other thing we do is um, we try to cut out like as many middlemen as possible okay. along the way. So yes, in our the, the best like our, the best way that we source products, which we do for about half of our products, is we're actually mm -hmm. buying direct from farm. So we're buying from farm. Okay. We're shipping it to the Sun and Swell warehouse. We're packaging it and we're sending it out to customers. Like that's mm -hmm. the shortest supply chain we can create. And that's what yes. we do with a lot of the products we sell. Yeah. And that's where we can really get the cost savings because yeah. we're not paying for all the people along the way. Yeah. Um, we can't do that with everything. Like uh, with especially like cashews aren't grown in the United States. Right. And we don't know, we aren't importing yet. Maybe we will someday. So yeah. we do have to work with an ingredient supplier for that. But that's, I think, sure. you know, shortening the supply chain and also thinking about expanding our product to be um, just to make everything more inclusive for people who are yeah. looking to, to uh, shop sustainably. Wonderful. I am, you are, let's see, I, I'm like really good about getting th four thoughts wanting to come out <laughs> at the same time. I'm with um, Kelly Velakis, um, she's the CEO of Ecos, um, and she, that's how they're managing their costs too. They have a very similar uh, POV on like, well, if we have to cut the costs out, where do we cut the costs? They own their entire supply chain, others yeah. aside from the form factors, but then they're also doing things like um, opting into programs like Loop, where people mm -hmm. can reuse um, materials. But this, you, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a theme here. We make our better for you products accessible to everybody and not just the upper middle class people that can afford to be healthy. Like, yeah. I think that's the that's the thing that I'm trying to shake up here is, is that just because like, the, the people that have the wherewithal to be healthy are not the only ones that want to be healthy. Quite frankly, people who are economically disadvantaged have more of an incentive to stay healthy because they don't have the resources yeah. to get sick. Yeah. Right. Or or really. to care for an illness. And so I um, love this concept of looking at every component of your business and taking out what isn't necessary when possible. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I think that um, I definitely have been hearing more and more this idea of like a more vertically integrated supply yeah. chain, because I think for a while, um, at least like what I was hearing when I was starting the company was. Yeah investors don't like you to own your own manufacturing. They yeah. want you to work with co-packers. They want you to work with 3PLs. Like they don't want, right. like, it was always like investors don't want you to do this. Um, yeah. And it's hard to not listen to that noise. Yeah. Um, our journey along the way has been, we can't, nobody's gonna do it as well as us. And not that I, I do think that there's room yeah. for um, outsourcing things, of course, but yes. for us, we're one of the things that has really allowed us to do what we do today mm -hmm. is because we own our manufacturing, our packaging mm -hmm. and our distribution. Like that's what's enabled us mm -hmm. to build what we have. Mm -hmm. And we're, um, there are times earlier on in the company where we thought about outsourcing more things I'm so grateful it didn't work out because it kind of forced yeah. us to build. Um, yes. And as a result, like we're in a much better place and we can serve our customers better and we can manage the supply chain better yeah. and we can make sure everyone along the supply chain is yes. being treated the way we want them to be treated and, and all of that. Yeah, more more control. And it's tricky because it's not really a one size all type of solution, right? There are some organizations where owning your own, like where co-manning and co-packing absolutely makes um, difference. Totally. And I think you want to work with a VC or an investment person who can look at your exact situation and, and what you want to do with your business 
and make the right choice for you and not just kind of go, no, this way always works or this way never works and that type of thing. So I, I, I like the dialogue for sure. I think it's a matter of like, what are you, what is your goal that you're trying to do with your brand? And like, where does that fall? And that's the same thing I tell people all the time with, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of people ask me about like transitioning to compostable packaging. And like, if you're, if that's going to be like the thing you're leading with, like, yes, but if you're just trying to check a box on sustainability, like go check another box because like being the first person to use a material, like is not never cheap. And yeah, like fight, there's a million (laughs) other sustainable things you can do that are like amazing. Um, but it's the same. It's like, what is your ultimate like strategy and goal with the business and like build your business around that I think is definitely what's that, that verse, like verse hearing, like somebody else did that. I need to do that too. Yes, smart, so smart. I love this visibility, you know, and as we're talking about this health and wellness bubble that we're, you know, we're trying to bust here. um, I think marketing has done such um, a good job of uh, maybe an overly good job of making health and wellness kind of this premium thing. And um, but we it's such a strange dichotomy because Walmart and Costco and Kroger are huge natural and organic retail methods. And you said something to me that I resonated with, and I just love this. You said, it doesn't need to be organic to be healthy, kind of what you said to be earlier. I think we get caught up, those of us that financially have the resources, we get caught up on, well, I need it to be fair trade and organic and and, in this and and, and I need all 47 of my certifications, Mm -hmm. which now makes my product three times more expensive. If you're not in that in that financial space to be able to do that, that doesn't mean that you can't eat healthy. Um, And, and how are you when you're, you know, kind of along the line of when you're talking with other people about the if you're just checking a box, are you having those conversations with folks that you're talking to? Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, like the the way that we think about it is like in the ideal world, um, everybody would buy all of their stuff from a farmer's market and local mm-hmm. farms. It would all be organic <laughs> and fresh. And that's like the goal, right? But like, yeah. that's not the reality that we live in. And so we're trying to connect the dots from like that to the packaged food industry with where it is today. And Mm -hmm. there is so much improvement to be done. Every single battle, like for us, I got a little bit caught up on the regenerative agriculture movement, which I think is amazing. Yes. But I'm like, our battle is plastic free packaging. Like that is the battle we're fighting. Choose your one battle. Exactly. And if if we were to fight the regenerative agriculture and single use plastic packaging, if those were the two, if we were trying to do both, our product assortment would be like, such a small amount of items because yeah. so there's only a, like a very small assortment of products that are um, certified regenerative organic mm-hmm. right now. I think there'll be more in the future. Um, and we're excited to like be part of that movement. But um, but we also can't say, hey, for us to sell something, it has to be regenerative organic certified because we right. wouldn't have anything to sell or we wouldn't have right. a, as broad of a certain to sell. So it's um, so I think that's what I think that's like my biggest advice when I talk to people is like, pick your one thing that you want to be known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's regenerative, maybe it's plastic mm-hmm. repackaging, maybe it's upcycling. Like there's all these yeah. different, like really cool movements in the do yeah. industry or in the food industry going on right now. So like mm-hmm. pick that niche that you want to be new, known for and just be really good at that and um, be the leader in that. Mm-hmm. And then um, everything else, be on top of the trends, be ready to move on them when they become more accessible. Yeah. But, um, but you know, you don't have to be the, the, person leading in everything. 
And it's tricky because from a brand position, at least, um, if you have too many evils that you're fighting, you can get stretched and you can get your messaging becomes complicated and operationally it becomes a challenge to commit to it. So I think your advice here is kind of stick to the one evil or the one good thing, however you want to position it and just double down behind that doesn't doesn't mean that you're not paying attention to it just like you said or that you're not interested or you're not making efforts toward those things but just stand for the one thing so that so that a consumer can and a retailer and a distributor and a supplier like they can check in or check out really easy make it easy for the end recipient of your message what you stand for. I love that. Yeah. And you're, and you're just like another thing you said that really resonates with me is the messaging, because yeah. that's the other thing. Like we've personally struggled. We're like, okay, are we leading with health? Or are we leading right. with plastic free? Like what is our, right? what is the one thing that we're leading with? And we can be a health food, like for us, like selling healthy food is kind of just like that baseline of quality, yeah. like Patagonia, all their stuff is quality. Like that's just what they're known for, but then they yeah. are also known as like this purpose-driven brand that does all these, yes. you know, other things in, in terms of improving yes. the planet. And, um, but we've personally had to go through that struggle, um, over the past year or so is like, what are we leading with mm-hmm. and how do we message that? And honestly, yep. it's, it's taken a lot of refining based on talking for to our sure. customers, understanding why they're buying us and stuff like that. But it is, it is, you know, even, even just figuring out how to talk about it, it's, it yes. can get complicated. It, it can be. And I, and what I find is, is, um, and you've got gone through this, so you know exactly, but the more complicated it it becomes, the more I always find it's always the scientific. Well, you want to be like really earnest about what yeah. you're saying, and then it gets really scientific. And the and the end consumer is just like, well, is it good for the planet or bad for? Like that's all they want. They just give me yeah. those two choices. Yeah. And everything in between uh, is right. like ir- irrelevant, except for the you know 0.5 percent that want to geek out on it over your web, on, yeah. you know, on your website. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Now we talked about compostability here and kind of the direction why you went there. We all know that there's an expense associated with this. And so this next question that that I was going to discuss with you kind of already covered. So maybe you can talk a little bit about what has happened in the market with your and with your relationships and how you are starting to be looked to as an advisor and a leader in this kind of waste reduction, packaging alternatives, compostable packaging. Tell us a little bit about how how that is starting to show up for you and what kind of impact and 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 what we're seeing at a national level from your involvement. Yeah, so I think that um, one of the reasons I'm a good resource when it comes to this is because I actually, so although now our model is like selling plastic free food online, yeah, um, we actually tried to do it the traditional way and failed. Like we okay. put, we, we, we started, tri- we, you know, it, and that's the thing most brands today looking at compostable packaging already have an established supply chain and a huge yeah presence and yeah. in brick and mortar and, and grocery and stuff like that. And um, for us, we were small enough that we could literally like pivot our business model and just do something else. But for, but that's not the reality for for most um, companies out there today. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that and that's actually, um, you know, we, we were, we, you know, one of the things we were talking about is like the cost per unit being a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like, 
personally, I think that's the smallest challenge. That is a challenge. Like it does get a little more expensive, but the bigger challenge is that the packaging itself has a shelf life. Mm -hmm. So unlike plastic packaging that is meant to last for hundreds of years, compostable packaging has a shelf life and it's meant not to last. And over time, the packaging starts to degrade. It doesn't mean it's going to disappear on the shelf, right. but it means it's going to get wrinkly and the edges are going to curl and it's just not going to look as beautiful as a plastic package. Uh -huh, even, uh -huh. even when, even when you first use it, it's never going to be that like matte finish, like bright colors. It just doesn't work the same as plastic. And yeah. so, um, that's what we, one of the things we learned was like that, that, that was the challenge that we had is like putting it, that the technology at the time we tried to push it through wholesale just really wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like one of the best ways I can be a resource to people and changing every day. So like in, in six months or, you know, maybe there's even some materials out there today that would do really well on a shelf, but like yeah. that's, um, but my biggest, like, I think part of the way I help people understanding yeah. like whether they should make this ch change is helping them understand like it's not it's not just the cost that's like mm -hmm. the, that's one little thing you really yeah. have to be prepared for it to like disrupt the whole supply chain for example like um it slows down co-packers machines so we don't have a co-packer we pack in house but if we were using gotcha. a co-packer that would be a challenge that would be another cost increase and it could cause some challenges with the co-packer so I think that's like um I think we've just had the experience of trying to launch it in yeah. traditional food channels and having it fail. Um, and I definitely think there's room for that to be done. And we hope that like in the future, like we can have a role there too. But mm -hmm. um, I just like, I think the biggest thing is technology is improving every day. It's going to get better, but I don't think technology ever will get as good as plastic packaging, nor do I think it should. Like that's like, why should compostable be as, as amazing barrier qualities as plastic that's like meant to last forever like i don't know if yeah. we're striving for the right standard if that's what we're striving for i think really we need to be reinventing our distribution systems around the packaging if we want to use it so i i've got like 17 questions now do you ever see that episode of adam bruins everything where he talks about the best buy date and how the whole best buy date became established by the FDA. I haven't and seen that, but I, I just, I'm going to make sure I'll send so you a yeah, link. Please send it have to me. I would love to watch it. Yeah. Have you, do you know him, Anna, Adam Hanover? Yeah. Okay. I'm with him. Yeah. Great. So the, the thing that's kind of colliding in my head here and, and bear with me, I see if I can articulate this concisely. If we're manufacturing food that have a four year shelf life, simply because we can, mm -hmm. then compostable packaging isn't going to be a, a, a thing, right? But in the last, I don't know how many years, really our manufacturing processes have been skewing more closer to a JIT just-in-time type of program where you don't have more than a few months of product at a time with a turnover. If we start shifting our heads from, okay, well, if we kind of take away this kind of best buy date, like relying on our senses, like, mm, this doesn't smell good, I probably shouldn't yeah. eat it, or there's Sorry. things growing on it, <laughs> yeah. I should probably not eat it. Um, and, and this is really, this is really around those products that are packaged with some sort of packaging film, because cans and glass, different, different thing, di different situation. Um, 
can if if it's just a matter of our system kind of reevaluating what is what is actually happening with our food chain and how quickly our products cycling through and how much inventory do, do we really have a 12 year supply of fritos sitting out there somewhere that needs to be in in a film based pro you know if we start having those kinds of dialogues with ourselves do you feel like we could make that shift to compostable or am i cray cray no, you're totally, I think that's spot on. And like, I, I think that we need to get our head, like as an industry, we need mm -hmm. to stop trying to like, yeah, it's like, why are we trying to, we're, I think we're looking at the problem wrong. I think the mm -hmm. problem is like our food systems are like, they're, they're set up to be like, nothing should have a four year shelf life. Like, why should we have something? I mean, unless it naturally has a four year shelf life. Yeah. Or disaster preparedness, right? Yeah, Fine. Exactly. Okay, great. Oh, totally. Yeah. And like, but like the same thing if like, if, if I take out a thing of nuts from my cupboard, it's been there for four years and they're still good. Great. Like, but they naturally yeah. last a long time, you know, like, um, right. and that's fine. But, um, but like, it, it was really funny. Um, I, I we were, look, we we're talking to, um, we liked it. Like I said, we like to source things from direct from farm as much from po yeah. as uh, possible. And we're talking to a new farm right now that just sent us some samples. The samples mm -hmm. showed up last night. They were like the most amazing dried fruits I've ever had. Um, like they had these like dried persimmons. It's like un un unreal, like nothing I've ever had yeah. before in my life. Um, juicy and sweet and so good. And they sent them all to us in paper bags with a little sticker on them. And I'm like, why can't we just sell things in paper bags with a sticker? I mean, like, you know, it's like, it, it was just funny because um, I know why we don't. And like, right. I think that like we're selling, you know, there's always, but like, it's funny because I was like, that's, this is what would happen if we were buying things closer to the food source. There's basically right. like no packaging. And I think that like, it's just a matter of like, how do we, yeah. How do we rethink our, 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 and especially now with like technology and mm -hmm. ability to deliver things. Like there is just ways to kind of, right. I, our, our supply chain is pretty archaic. We've been doing right. the same food supply chain for years and years and years and years. And it's like, um, I think it's time to switch that up. And I think that will enable us to like, to do things more sustainably on all other fronts. I love it. I love it. I can see, I see some bit like my head is like, okay, what's our next project? Okay, you and I are going to go have, we're going to go have a drink somewhere. We're going to go save the world on something else. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love talking about this. Now I want to switch the topic here a little bit and zag towards the relationship that you, you know, your business partner is your husband. And I'd like to bring this up. I work with my husband and I think there's a lot of people that don't, um, that maybe don't know, like maybe might be like, um, thinking of starting a new business with a, a, a family member or a spouse or a friend. Um, and I would love for you to talk about how in the early days, or maybe even now, because it is still kind of early for you guys, how was that experience of being able to keep, you know, build the business and get excited and not get brought down by some of the painful moments? How do you, how do you guys manage life or is it still kind of a little bit like one day to the next on who's who's on first when it comes to business and personal and family yeah so i think that um you know a couple things like one of the reasons that things work really well for us working together is because we both share a similar work ethic um mm -hmm. and uh, regardless of whether you're working and, and work can mean working on the business right or work can mean like staying up late to like make our daughter's lunch for the next day you know like does it whatever yeah. it is like yeah. it's it work can mean business related it can mean things around the house it can mean things in life like but yeah. we share that like same drive um mm -hmm. and work ethic in terms of like um 
just getting stuff done and continue to move mm -hmm. forward and like stuff like that. And um, we share same goals with the business. So we both have, we're very aligned with what we want to do with the business, where we mm -hmm. want to see it go. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways I feel like that probably, I, I always think about all the time, well, what if I had like a co-founder that wasn't Brian yeah. that we didn't see the same thing with the business? Like yeah. that would be so hard. So for, for me, I think it makes it easier because we're aligned okay. on those things. Um, and we also are t slightly, another thing that works well for us is we're kind of different people in terms of personality. So I'm like super type A, I'm really particular. He's, um, <laughs> he's, he's more laid back. And like, he also like, Brian also, like we, we separate our roles. So like, I'm, I, I'm in charge of like product development and creative and mm -hmm. um, marketing, and he's more on operations and sales. Yeah. And, and that works really well together that we like each know what our mm -hmm. roles are. And at the end of the yes. day, like certain things, the buck stops with him and other times it stops with me. Right. Um, and um, the other, uh, you know, um, I think the, the last thing is just like we, we had our, our daughter last summer. Um, so oh my she's, gosh. She's about 10 months old oh, right now. Oh, you're a new mom. And yeah, yeah. And, um, I think that like, I honestly feel like that was also easier to navigate because we can kind of flow like there's a day like that our daughter needs that she's I need to spend more time with her and yeah I will and he picks up the work stuff or vice versa and so for yeah. us it works really really well I couldn't imagine it any other way uh, but I hear I, th I always like I feel like it's either like you work really well with your partner or you don't work so well with your partner and neither way is the wrong way just kind of right. like one or the other right yeah, I know a lot. <clears throat> excuse me. I have um, people out in the, the in the industry with them when they when they learn that um, my business partner is my husband. They always, okay, you know, what kind of what should I, you know before I enter into this new idea that I have with my insert whomever, uh, what kind of recommendations you know what should I be looking for? And what should I what should I not be looking for? I always feel I feel like you've already kind of leaned in towards maybe a couple of bits of advice. But do you have do you have something that you're like, yeah, make sure blank, blank, blank is in place. And that will help you guys through that transition. Yeah, I think that I think the two main things are separate roles and responsibilities and knowing that like knowing mm -hmm. who owns different things. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think for us, the other most important thing is because we both love what we're doing so much and it's our whole life. It's all we want to talk about. It's all we want to do. Like we have to like, <laughs> we have to, it's, it gets like, it's all, you know, our whole life is set in swell. I mean, of course our, our, our daughters didn't know, but it's all like, mm -hmm. it's all we talk about and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And so it's like, for us, we kind of have to force our, it's actually been having a daughter has made it way easier to really, for, yeah, well, cause, cause we're like, you know what, like we're, it's, it's, we're coming home in the evening. And we're literally setting aside these three hours for just her. Yeah, her that's walk. fair. We're going to do dinner with her. It's bath time before we come home, work out, and then like get back on our computer. You know, so yeah. it's like we're kind of now we have a reason that we feel responsible that mm. we like have to take time away from work. Um, mm -hmm. But when um, we have to be really conscious about like, like I always tell people, like if you're working with your significant other, like pick a day or like don't work Saturdays or something like that because it can all blend together. And that's like, yeah. even though you don't, it's not like the typical kind of burnout where you're yeah. like, you know, working 20 hours a day, you kind of are because you're always thinking about and talking about it. And so Absolutely. it's like, um, that's like, to I, I think after uh, uh, there was a period of time where we're like, wait, we feel like really exhausted. Like we just mm. like start taking some days off on the weekend so we could like, you know, clear our minds. Clear your minds. Yeah, yes. I think, I think scheduling right scheduling the break like you have a wee one that is really dependent on you we yeah. have older kids 
that if I just checked out, I could work until 10 and they would run their own life. But I think literally having a reason to stop and kind of going, okay, six o'clock, I'm going to make a meal and I'm going to hang out and we're going to do this thing. And then, and, um, dedicated time away from it, I think helps the brain too. I do too. Yeah. And treating those like personal things as appointments, like, Oh, six o'clock and not feeling bad about that. Like I feel like I growing up in, uh, or starting my career in professional services, not that any one particular person ever like told me I needed to feel this way, but I always felt like it wasn't okay to like leave early for dinner. Like I was always like, you have to keep working. You have to keep working. And I, so I like, it's been a really big mental exercise for me Mm -hmm. to not feel guilty when I'm not working. Like when I put down the computer, I'm like, I feel like I I really had to work on that. And it's hard to, hard to give us permission sometimes. Totally. Well, last thing before we get into the, to the wrap up here, I like to talk a little bit about mentoring. Now you have people mentoring you and you are mentoring people. I see that you're a Tory Burch fellow, which is super exciting. I spoke with somebody else uh, from Tea Drops. um, Sashi. Sashi, yes, recently. And she is as well. Um, Tell me what are you getting out of that fellowship right now? And and do you look to others as well? Or do you kind of keep your scope small when you're looking for advice or just kind of a sounding board? Yeah. So what I love about the, um, so, so I feel like I have a lot of really good, um, I don't know if it's called like peer to peer, but I feel, I feel like I have, there's a Tory Birch network and I have a couple other networks. I mean, that's really good. Uh Like just like a founders, um, that's like around a similar stage. And what's awesome about like those networks, like just speaking to Tory Birch specifically, like Sashi's uh, business is a little bit ahead of ours. So like mm-hmm. whenever I, ha- I like since I've started, I got connected mm-hmm. with her early on and she's been like an amazing um, resource of like t- helping me. Like if I have a question about something, like she's usually already, already been there. Um, yeah. So um, and then there's other people like in the in that fellowship program that um, maybe we're a little bit ahead of not necessarily like on size, but in sustainable mm-hmm. taxing or something like that. And it's like that. So for me, that's what I found super valuable is like this network of other founders that are similar stage. Maybe we're each a little bit smaller, bigger, whatever, but that yeah. similar stage of our journey that we can ask, like just have as a, a sounding board or to ask questions to. Um, and, you know, I, it, it just to, to me, that's been really a, just a really valuable network to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I love and I just love your journey so far. And I'm um, a big fan of um, fa- kind of like entrepreneurial businesses because you guys are well, I don't know. I, I'm just there are meeting so many amazing women at, at all stages and sizes of companies as well. Really excited to be able to talk to you. Been a big fan of compostable and recyclable and reusable for before it was um before it was a thing before a lot of people who are in the industry are even around sometimes i feel like i'm dating myself but um but um love the work that you guys are doing and before our time is over i'd like to kind of just switch it up and move off topic not tremendously with this first question but i always have a few questions that i ask everybody the same set of questions and the first one which you have already identified but we can see if there's something else if there's some sort of interesting fact i call it a happy hour fact something that um you like to share with people that they go oh my gosh no way i've got to tell my friends about this do you have something about your industry 
Yeah, so I actually just, I'm, uh, I just learned this the other day that um, the very first, this is so random, but the very first plastic bag <laughs> was brought to grocery stores um, in the U.S. in the 70s. In the, um, in the 70s, I pl pl plastic grocery store bag. I want to say, um, I believe, I hope I'm not saying this right. I think it was from Exxon. It was from the oil industry that I would not the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, customers like rejected it. They didn't want it. No. Um, it was, like, a 10 year PR effort to like get <gasps> these. Uh, yeah. So it's like, is this great? I was like, wow, the history of this. But like, and now, of course, like we're trying to get rid of plastic bags in grocery stores. But I thought that was so in interesting. I was like, oh, of course it came from like. Of you course, know, an oil company was like the, 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 and it's, you know, still, it still is oil companies are still behind most of the plastic bags today, but, um, yes. anyways, that's my, that's my random fact. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I didn't in. Yeah. I even think I remember when that switch started happening. Cause I, I was a kid in the seventies and eighties yeah. and I, I, I distinctly remember when it switched from paper to plastic and yeah. it felt odd for the longest time. Yeah. And then, and then of course it switched back. Yeah. Um, tell me, are there any other women leaders or even rising stars out there that you've got your eye on that you'd like to elevate or simply admire publicly? <laughs> yeah. So there is um, actually, I feel like this is like my kindred spirit in the world of starting eco-friendly companies. There is um, so uh, somebody I met through the Tory Birch Fellowship. Her name is okay. uh, Stacy and her company is Kent, K-E-N-T. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they make um, sustain, she makes sustainable underwear um for, for women and okay. but her like so sh the way that it, it's so funny because um we've just kind of stayed close throughout the past couple of years yes on, and and what we've realized is the things that we're trying to tackle and the way we're trying to tackle them with like the standards that we're trying yep. to achieve yep. are so similar but like we're doing it in food and she's doing it in like like undergarments you know and it's yeah. like it's um like she like i heard an ex uh, or she was explaining how um she her underwear itself is compostable because it's organic cotton but then also like the lengths that she's gone to to get like or uh compostable um uh, biodegradable elastic which like oh, is like oh that's a, a detail thing. that like most people don't yeah exactly so um yeah that's i i love her company um and i love everything she's doing and and so just like i said same same passion but a different just totally different world wow um what brands or trends do you have your eye on right now and why yeah, I think the two um, that I've been following the most, we touched a little bit on this earlier, are um, regenerative organic farming and yeah. also upcycling. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, we we work with a lot of organic farms, but I think that next step when it comes to sourcing ingredients, um, I'm just super interested in. It's like, um, I would, I'm hoping to, we do have a couple of regenerative organic things that we sell right now, but um, I, I, the, I, you know, I talked before why we're not spending all of our time on those, um, those areas, but definitely like, that's what I'm following and mm -hmm. uh, would love the more and more we can be playing in those worlds, mm. um, the better. Love it. Uh, how are you keeping yourself sane and centered these days with a new business and a new baby? Like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I feel like I do a pretty, I feel like I'm more centered now than I was, uh, like I would say before baby, but it's, uh, but it's because I have these forest breaks. So yeah, like two things that like make my days good is if I can go on a long walk and I usually, it's usually with a stroller okay. uh, like to listen to like an audiobook or, you know, something uh -huh. to just like enjoy, like, cause I feel like I, I have to feel like I'm multitasking. So my audiobooks keep me, uh, keep me busy during my walks, but, um, but that's always nice. And then also like exercise is like,
just so he that I whether it's um you know more it's whether it's my Peloton or sure. I like to do bar classes um but uh -huh. that's that if I that's like a make or break thing on my day if I don't I do it, it. I just don't feel as good but understand yeah and then if people wanted to connect with you what's your preferred method um linkedin's perfect um awesome yeah, that's usually usually the best best place to connect awesome okay well hey thank you miss kate thank you so much for your time and your commitment to just the um community at, at, in general the work that you're doing i think is going to have just a f far bigger foot well, you probably have an idea of how big of a footprint it might be, but I, I think um, changing the world is um, pretty awesome, awesome goal. So I thank you so much for your time and the work that yeah. you're doing. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And to everybody thank else, thanks you. for listening. And um, you can catch Miss Kate and her brand, <clears throat> excuse me, and her brand Sun and Swell Foods. <laughs> Um, at, is it sunandswellfoods.com? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, so check her and her business out and we'll see you next time. This episode is sponsored by Retail Voodoo, a creative marketing firm specializing in growing, fixing, and reinventing brands in the food, beverage, wellness, and fitness industries. If your naturals brand is in need of positioning, package design, or marketing activation, we're here to help. You can find more information at retail-voodoo.com. And so there you go. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this channel and share with your network. Until next time, be well and do gooder.